Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is a Available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Cooper Revenge is coming. This is my town. You know, Which is I would love you, to do a James Bond I'll, podcast. I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> and he's like, it's Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. All right. Do you like that energy? That energy was there. Woo! Right? Stop with the woos. Stop with the woos. I can't. I can't. This is definitely a woo-heavy episode. Because it's action-packed. Ooh, what are we doing? We're doing The Last Action Hero following the death of his father. Uh, hold on. I'm going to time out. Hold on. Hold on. It is not The Last That's Action That's true. I, I kept getting that confused. It's last Action We're doing Last Action Hero minus the the. We don't have time for the. There's not enough room. The word action is too big. Exactly. Following the death of his father, young Danny Madigan takes comfort in watching action movies featuring the indestructible Los Angeles cop Jack Slater. Arnold Schwarzenegger. After being given a magic ticket by theater manager Nick, Danny is sucked into the screen and bonds with Slater. When evil fictional villain Benedict gets his hands on the ticket and enters the real world, Danny and Jack must follow and stop him. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Good stuff. Although that synopsis stinks. Uh, That's a decent really? That's really? Right. When in the movie did you hear know that Danny Madigan's dad died? When uh, his mom goes, I'm a widow. Oh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> <run time. laughs> so last action has a runtime of 130 minutes, rated PG-13, 
production budget of $85 million. It had a release date of June 18th, 1993. Big time summer release. Opening weekend, it did 15 million. Domestic, 50. Worldwide, 137 million. The world loves Arnold. <laughs> Production company Columbia Pictures and Steve Roth Productions, distributed by Columbia Pictures. Uh, on June 16th of 1993, it went up against Once Upon a Forest. Ooh. Exactly. On the 25th of June, you had Dennis the Menace. Sleepless in Seattle and What's Love Got to Do With It. Number one, I did not know that What's Love Got to Do With It was that old. <laughs> and number two, uh, Sleepless in Seattle actually came. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but on June 11th, 1993, a movie came out that completely destroyed everything. And this is probably one of the reasons why Last Action Hero didn't do business. I'm going to point to you, Mr. Butler, and I want you to tell me the movie that came out on June 11th. Don't look it up. On oh, June God. 11th, 1993. Uh, Do you want me to give you some hint? I'll wait, give you a hint. Jurassic you, Park? It is Jurassic yeah. Park. Nice yeah. job. <laughs> I was going to start singing the theme song. But, uh, but yes, so, but we'll get into all that because that has something to do with other things that were happening. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with this movie we'll get into. But first, Ooh. let's get into who did stuff. <laughs> so now we are at who did stuff. Directed by John McTiernan. Uh, John McTiernan has directed Die Hard, Hunt for October, Predator, and the movie Basic. Our companion episode this uh, this week is going to be about John McTiernan. So yes, it is. Keep, keep, we'll, we'll talk more about him later. <laughs> screenplay, Shane Black. So now here's the thing. Let's get into the screenplay a little bit. The original screenplay, the first screenplay was written by Zach Penn and Adam Leff. Okay. Now they wrote, it was first called Extremely Violent. Now, Zach Penn has written Free Guy, the uh, Ready Player One, the upcoming Free Guy, Ready Player One, and PCU. Adam Leff wrote PCU with him. He also did the story for Biodome. Then the script was rewritten by Shane Black and David Arnott. Shane Black has Unlethal Weapon, The Monster Squad, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is, was sold for $4 million off spec, which was like a big thing and I guess kind of affected his career at some point. But regardless, David Arnott has done- Oh, whoa, whoa. Shane Black also did The Nice Guys, which was an yes. episode we did. Good job. Uh, you're going to do all that stuff now. <laughs> David Arnott has done The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, amongst other things. Then the script was polished for a million dollars by William Goldman. There's other, there's two other script doctors on this movie as well. Larry Ferguson, who did the Humphrey October and alien three. Nice. Yeah. And Carrie Fisher did a script doctor of this movie. Nice. You know, if you know about Carrie Fisher's background, that's a lot of times she did a lot of that stuff. These are uncredited. They basically get paid to not have their names on the movie, which I'll tell you right now, sign me up. I will do that. (laughs) You pay me not to get any credit. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so obviously this, this script has a sordid affair. Uh, cinematography by Dean Semler. He won an Oscar for Dances with Wolves. He's also done The Road Warrior and Young Guns. Composer was Michael Kamen, who's done Frequency, Event Horizon, and The Last Boy Scout. Edited by Richard A. Harris and John Wright. Harris has won an Oscar for Titanic. He was also nominated for an Oscar for Terminator 2. He also did True Lies and The Bodyguard. John Wright was nominated for an Oscar for editing for Speed in the Hunford October. He's also did two Deep Rising, excuse me. Produced by Stephen Roth. He has done Scrooge, Mobsters, and the 1992 movie Gladiator. Mike told you already that Arnold Schwarzenegger's in this movie. If you do not know that who Arnold Schwarzenegger is, I don't know. I can't help you. Why are you listening to this podcast? I can't. I can't. <laughs> like help you can't even know that he plays Jack Slater and himself. Uh, he's in Red Heath, <laughs> Kindergarten Cop, and Junior. Austin O'Brien as Danny, who was in the Lawnmower Man movies. He's in My Girl Two, and he's in the Babysitters Club. 
not much after that or not a lot after that. Let's put it that way. Charles Dance, which I forgot he played Benedict. He is obviously Tywin Lannister from Games of Thrones for Game of Thrones. Excuse me. Uh, he's also in Gosford Park. He's in the TV show The Crown and the movie Michael Collins. F. Murray Abraham as John Practice. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. He won an Oscar for Amadeus. He's also in the Grand Budapest Hotel and Scarface. Frank McRae as Decker. He's in Red Dawn. Batteries Not Included and 1941. Tom Noonan as Ripper. He's in Heat. Manhunter and Eight-Legged Freaks. Then you Robert Prosky as Nick, who was in what, Mike? Wow. <laughs> wow, we did this movie. Thief. He's oh, also right. in The Natural and The Great Outdoors. He's really good. Yeah. And remember when I said to you, hey, you're going to do all the movies that were that we've done, and yeah. then you failed me? But then you point to me. Anthony Quinn is <laughs> Anthony Quinn has won an Oscar for Viva Zapata and Lust for Life. He also was nominated for Wild as the Wind and Alexis Zorbis. Or Zorba, I'm not really sure. Mercedes Rule as mom. That's great. And I couldn't give her a name. Uh, she's <laughs> won an Oscar for the Fisher King. She also won Big, Married to the Mob, and The Secret of My Success. Art Carney as Frank. He won an Oscar for Harry and Tonto. He's also in the TV show The Honeymooners, for those who don't know, and the movie Firestarter. And then Brigitte Wilson-Sampras, who plays Whitney and, and slash Meredith. This is actually her first movie, as, as also Whitney's first movie. She's in Billy Madison, The Wedding Planner, and... Mortal Kombat. Nice job. And then you have a bunch of cameos. And I'm not oh, going to yeah. go through all the cameos, just the ones that made me laugh. So, <laughs> or I didn't realize, like Ian McKellen plays Death. Yeah, I forgot about that. Joan Plowright plays the teacher. We'll get into her a little bit later. I didn't realize that Robert Patrick actual credit is the T-1000. Yep. Sharon Stone's credit is Catherine Trammell from Basic Instinct. Tina Turner as the mayor, Mayor Turner. Noah Emmerich is in the background as Rookie. Angie Everhart's first film as Video Babe. <laughs> Rick Dukeman as the Ripper's agent. And then Colleen Camp is in this, which I couldn't remember where she was. She's one of the cops, I think. She plays Ratliff. I do not know. Where oh, she I know. She gets partnered with the cartoon oh, cat. Oh, is that her? Uh, who who ends up with the, with the uh, karate Whiskers, pose. Whiskers, who was probably uh, suspended for sexual assault. Right. Yeah. And okay. then she does the karate pose. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> so the last act, last, the lad did it again. So yeah. last action hero was completely panned by critics, hated by everybody. Yep. I saw this movie. Uh, I want to say I saw this in the theaters and I liked it. And I remember wondering, is there something wrong with me? Because nobody <laughs> likes this movie and I like it. And I would keep watching it uh, like you, in multiple viewings. And I'm like, I like this movie. I don't know why. And, and I started getting the Hudson Hawk vibe where I liked Hudson Hawk and all the people did. I know you didn't, yep. but it was just like, I don't understand why nobody likes this movie. And I, I mentioned it last episode kind of teasing this and mm -hmm. I think this movie is ahead of its time. Would you think that's a fair assessment? That is absolutely ahead of its time. Go ahead. It's, it's I liked this movie as well when I first saw it and I don't remember if I saw it in theaters because I definitely saw Jurassic Park in theaters. I think I uh, my family ended up renting this and I loved this movie. I thought it was great and I still think it's great every time I'd catch it on TV and I finally had at least watch the last half of it because she was busy doing something else for the first half she never saw this she has never seen this movie and i was telling her about how like meta it is and how this is this is absolutely a movie that should have like if it came out today it would be super popular and everybody would love it and back then no one understood it it's it's before meme culture it's before like meta was a word that everybody knew and used it's so good and so funny and so self-depreciating in such a great way but also self-congratulate. It's, it's, it's a celebration of all, everything ridiculous about 90s action films. And it just absolutely, um, I love it even more now as an adult than I did when I saw it as a kid. Because now even more than before, I 
get every little thing that they're referencing and all these little quirks that they talk about. It's just really, really funny, really quick. And like, I know a lot of writers worked on it, but I'm sure a lot of that has to do with Shane Black, because as we've discussed, like the nice guy episode, I, I just really like his writing and his dialogue. And I feel like that lends itself a lot to this movie. Well, I think, and I think maybe more so back then, but now, but probably not. But anytime they get a script from somebody that maybe doesn't have a lot of credits, I'm sure they just give, hey, give it to them. I'll get a pass. Like, I'm, right. Yeah. Schwarzenegger comes on to do this movie or McTiernan comes on to do this movie. He probably wants his guys to take a pass at it. Oh, sure. Like yeah. That. No, that's fine. Uh, I agree with you. I, I, there are purposely, there are gaffes purposely in this movie. There are inconsistencies purposely in this film, making fun of those type of things that happen in movies. I think that a lot of people took this film way too serious or took it on the face that it, what it was, what it was and didn't right. understand what they were trying to do here. I mean, I don't understand how you don't think it's a joke when he talks about how he's avenging the death of his set favorite second cousin. I mean, that's that's right there. That should tell you <laughs> the whole joke of it or how Joan Plaurite is in the opening movie. She's talking about Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet and how she's like, oh, you might know him from oh, what does she say? Like, you might know him from the Polaroid commercials yeah. or like that's her husband. That was her husband before he passed. Like that. I mean, like the whole point of that is that's that's the whole friggin' joke of the movie. Is that the kids don't know who he is right. anymore? Yeah. And then he and then he envisions like Jack Slater as Hamlet. I absolutely forgot. I watched that. that movie. It wasn't even Jack. It was Arnold. Yeah. It's yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Hamlet, and it's so good. Apparently, there's posters. There's a poster online. I almost made it the post for when I was like Butler's now watching. Uh-huh. Uh, there's somebody did a poster of Hamlet as Arnold Schwarzenegger, like nice. what the movie poster was. I'm like, ah. Oh. He's got an Uzi in one hand smoking and like the skull in the other. <laughs> I I just it doesn't like anger me that people didn't get this film because I think a lot of people that I know now, even pe- my, people my age, too. Mm. They appreciate the movie. I think they know they like the movie. Right. But like, let's put it this way. Like this movie, if this movie got re-released in theaters now, I think it would do fairly well. Oh, I think so. I think this movie you know, we say it's forgotten, but I think it has amassed a little bit of a cult audience. Agreed. From people that, you know, are your age or my age that saw it when they were younger and watch it now more in tune with like meme culture and, and the meta-ness of everything and are way more into that and finally kind of realize it's worth. Well, it came out before. Well, it's not. Didn't, it only came out three years before Scream and Scream kind of flipped the horror genre on its head with all that stuff. Right, but and, Scream was but still that serious and it was still a yeah, horror Yeah, you're right, movie. you're right. It was st- No, I get you, but yeah. like, that, it's almost like that was a better beta test for people to, like, dip your toe in, like, Absolutely. is this good? And we're like, this is just- This and, is all in. But, but on, yeah, but honestly, there's there's no way to do this movie unless you're all in on the ridiculousness. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Like, everybody loves Deadpool 1 and 2, and, and Ryan Reynolds' character does do a lot of this break in the fourth wall and this kind of poking fun at comic book movies and action movies. And people love that now, but this does it even better yeah. and did it, you know, 20 years before or right. almost 20 years beforehand. And I think that maybe that's why it's not appreciated. But I think if you showed this movie to people that like Deadpool now, they're like, you know, 18, 19, they'd like action, last action hero a lot. See, I don't know if they would like it as much as we like it because I think that they're not they as have, into exactly, the they've been experienced. Yeah, there is a. There is a certain type the action movies in the eighties and nineties. You keep saying nineties action, but this is more also along the lines of eighties action because it's 93. sure like mid eighties to early. 90s. Right. Right. But there is a certain 
It's almost like a subset of the action genre that are 80s, 90s, the 80s, sure, 90s yeah. action. Like, like, so this is clearly poking fun at everything that made Schwarzenegger famous, everything that made Stallone famous. Like, like they're massively poking fun at it because they know how ridiculous it is. Like, even if you go back and watch like Lethal Weapon, which I like, but there's stuff in Lethal Weapon, you're just like the like what? Like how, how did that happen? Yeah. Like, like that action doesn't make any sense, but it didn't matter because it was just that's what the style was. Right. And I don't know if if people looking back would enjoy this as much because they've been exposed to all the stuff now. They would just go back and be like, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before, which I can't. It infuriates me because <laughs> if something comes before everything else, you need to kind of give it the respect it deserves because it was way before any of this stuff was ever popular or any, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but I want to get into a little bit before we start talking about how awesome the movie is again. <laughs> I want to get into a little bit the behind the scenes stuff, maybe why this movie didn't do well. So it had a studio mandated release. It was coming out on June 18th and that was it. They gave no time. Columbia gave them no time left for follow up editing. They gave no time up for fine tuning. I have one note here that said they were filming up into a week before the movie, which I don't, I don't really believe, but whatever. Uh, they had a May 1st sneak preview and it went bad. Nobody liked it. It was a disaster. And I guess they, they wanted to, they, they wanted to push it back to July and August. Mm -hmm. And the studio was like, no, it's coming out June 18th. And Schwarzenegger, this is Schwarzenegger's first producing producer credit. So this is his, it's his baby pretty much. Right. Yeah. So he's the one having these discussions and I, you know, whatever it is, they decide, no, okay, we're going to stick with the June thing. Then Jurassic Park purposely goes, okay, we're going June 11th purposely goes the week before them <laughs> knowing universal knowing what they had when right before them so it they were destined to not do well even if it got pushed back and i don't know what was playing in july and august of 93 i probably should have looked that up does it matter you exactly. had jurassic park i don't e exactly i don't even know if this movie was pushed back or if they did the necessarily edits that they wanted to do if it would they would be any better or it would have affected anything it wouldn't have mattered because it's the content of the movie that people just didn't Right. Understand or, or appreciate. Right. And the other thing that hurt them too was, I don't think anybody realized how popular Sleepless in Seattle was going to be. So it's it, oh, so it sure, second yeah. week, it dropped 47% of its, uh, of its initial first weekend take and Sleepless in Seattle came in second. So it didn't even play second at all in, in its second week of coming out. Cause Jurassic Park obviously was going to be number one. So I don't think they anticipated how good Sleepless in Seattle was going to be or how much people wanted to see it. Right. Which is a weird summer film, but it makes sense. So uh, it just, it's almost like everything was conspiring to make this movie not perform well. So that's a little, and they, and they had a huge, like they had a huge merchandising campaign for this movie. There was like seven video games. Yeah. None like, of them came out. $20 million Burger King promotion, $36 million theme park ride. They were, they were the first paid advertisement in space. They were on a NASA rocket. <laughs> And then they had a they had a can they had a forty foot inflatable Jack Slater. How does That's how does I know? <laughs> so like it, there was uh, we talked about production budget eighty five million dollars. We talked about I think a while ago when we were talking about Terminator Dark Fate how their production budget was a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. I would venture a guess that their production budget here was probably like. 75 to 85 probably matched their uh, excuse me their merchandising their budget yep. probably matched their production budget here yep. so it, at, at the final declared financial loss for this movie was 26 million dollars so this movie i i wonder if it's still in the red uh, as of now oh i don't know after dvd sales and all that i don't know man it's got to be 
back in the black a little bit at least. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie. Uh, everyone I know really appreciates it for what it is. But uh, I think that all the behind the scenes stuff for this movie probably was conspiring against it to perform well. And the fact that you come the week, you come out the week after Jurassic Park does not help. I think this is also coming out at a time when these movies were taken seriously, much like Danny. They love these films and they Arnold is their hero and Stallone is their hero. True. You know, that's it's not like, oh, this is so ridiculous. Like Lethal Weapon. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But like that's their hero. John McClane is their hero. It's stuff like that. And so you don't see the ridiculousness in it maybe as much unless you're already like in the 90s, you're in your uh, 40s and 50s and stuff like that. Uh, when you're in your, you know, you're a kid all the way up to your twenties and thirties, you're probably like, yes, yes. And so when you see somebody making fun of them, you're like, well, screw you. Those are my favorite movies. That's, that's my thing. You're making fun of it. Sure. But what they're doing is making fun of it in a, in a, the way that is like, we love these movies too, but I don't think people got that then. I think people were just thinking we're going to call you stupid. We're basically calling you stupid for liking these kind of movies. Uh, see, yeah. And I don't get, if it wasn't Schwarzenegger in the movie, it was somebody else. Right. I'd agree with you there. Yeah, that's what it is that they're just making fun of. Him. Oh, but they're you know absolutely I mean? not. Yeah. But yeah. The fact that he is in this movie, it's almost like he almost was going to turn to the camera and be like, listen, I know the movies I do are stupid, but I love doing them. You love watching them. So what do we, who yeah. cares? You it's know a love I mean? letter to him. But I think maybe back in the nineties, people didn't get that it was a love letter. They thought it was an insult to him. Right. Which is, I don't know. It's not being so sensitive. <laughs> did you know that the Benedict role is going to be Alan Rickman? I didn't, I not, did read it makes sense. Cause the way it's performed, but like, Charles Dance is Benedict. Benedict's scary. No, Benedict's great. Yeah. He's a he's a really good villain. Yeah. He's he's great. Um, I forgot how good he was until I was watching this movie again, and I was just like, oh man, he is such a good 90s villain yeah. for these kind of movies, but also like he's up there with the best of them, even though he's spoofing them. <laughs> like that's he'd be awesome. And like that would be great for Riggs and Murtaugh to go after that guy. Like, that's their enemy. Oh, yeah, like, maybe that's that's He's perfect in like a Lethal Weapon type movie. And I think he was perfect for that role. And it didn't, it, on his neck, it looked like he had a triple X tattoo. So are we saying that he's the original triple X? <laughs> he's got, I noticed he's got that like sharp tribal tattoo. Yeah. I'm there, like, which is, is interesting. That triple X? Is he going to, does he have to go to the Dom cave? Well, it's weird to say hide it for the whole movie. So it's like, why are you hiding it? Yeah. But I, yeah, I know. Right. Exactly. Like, are we ever going to see it? Yeah. There's no yeah. scene where he's like out of shirt and he's like this really like English mob type guy, but he's acting fancy. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing with this movie is that it was the first movie released in 7.1 channel uh, Sony Dynamic Digital Sound. They had 7.1 even back then. It was the first wow. one, but the problem, well, the problem was that only a few theaters had the technology. So what did it matter? Yeah, even now, <laughs> even now we play 5.1 most of the time. Uh, yeah, we don't even. We uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the original. I talked about the script a little bit. The original script was optioned for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Just throw that out there. Mm. And the reason why Alan Rickman turned down the Benedict role, according to notes, was because of low pay. So that's why you didn't have him in the movie. All right. I think I like it better that it's not Alan Rickman as well. Not only because Charles Dance does so well, but because that'd be a little bit too, too much, much, too on the nose. Yeah, that's true. Because you've already got jokes about, obviously you got jokes about Arnold, but you also have F. Murray Abraham jokes already in there as oh, well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they talk about yeah, he killed Mozart. You don't, yeah. need a, you don't need three. Well, he references Die Hard when... Uh, the, the he plays chicken obviously and kills the guy and he's like he's dead he's like yeah but at the end of the movie they thought he was dead but then he came back and it was uh, he's talking about Die Hard, Die Hard right? with the guy yeah the yeah. machine gun mm -hmm. 
So they, they, they reference that as well. Do you also notice that the Danny's apartment number is 3D? Like he lives in the real world in 3D? And oh, no, I did yet. not notice that. <laughs> the other thing that they had that there was an idea that i completely glad they nixed this was that the projectionist, Nick, who I felt bad for because uh, this is the Robert Prosky character. Right. Because he never ripped the ticket. He never ever is going to get a chance to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. I thought I, it would have been bad. a better ending if he goes off and goes, goes into off into an old movie. Because he's... Sure, it's theater shutting down. His whole life's well, being upended. Let's so it's like, eh. well, let's talk. I'm going to get into that. But his original, the original was he was going to be the devil for some reason. And they nixed it, which is oh, good. Yeah, I don't yeah, like it that. Makes any sense. But let's talk about the theater. That theater is opening up Jack Slater for. No, I don't think so. Like it's so like he's like, oh, I got the new Jack Slater floor. That theater is a shithole. You're not opening up any new movie. And <laughs> they never reference it. But if you notice when he leaves the theater, it's got a big sign Lowe's that it's supposed to be, be taken over. Yeah. He does talk about how the theater's closing up, though. Right. But they Briefly. never mentioned that it's going to be like some new multiplex. I'm sure it's a cut conversation that they were just, we don't have time for this. Let's or they probably out. don't want to crap on the, Lowe's. The, yeah. It's literally Lowe's is taking that theater over. Pretty much. Like, yeah, New York is not nice. Yeah. That's apparently early 90s New York, which I didn't realize is, is yeah. terrible. Yeah. This is like, that's like, <laughs> Times Square and it's just like oh my god well it's supposed to be uh, it's supposed to be like the real world dark rainy oh, as I get opposed that. Yeah, to yeah, the movie yeah. world but still it's but like looking it's, at it, it's it ain't like, that bad yeah. <laughs> um, but no I, I do like Nick's character and I did think the same thing he should have been able to have his happy ending yeah no I know I thought I th- but the other thing is uh, you know death is still out there he is still he let that would if I was in the theater and I'm watching you know this movie yeah and death comes out of the screen. I'm getting the hell out of there. Oh, I would be screaming all too. The, all the other, yeah, no, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm out. Yeah, I don't want death near me. You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. So I'd be absolutely screaming. But like, he's still out there, and that ticket is still out there. The half rip ticket that releases death that's on the that's on the pavement. No, because it, it went into his screen. No, it didn't. It it, it didn't it, go into the screen. It came down. Yeah. and landed in front of the theater where everyone was watching the movie, and then it lights up, and then they go into the movie, and he comes out of the screen. Okay, I thought it flows into the no, screen. No, no, okay, it's, okay. It's, so it's still it's out, there. out there. It's still out there. A little sequel right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Phil, you know what I like more than this movie? What is that, brother? Money, money. I like money a lot more than this movie. Let's make some. That's not surprising. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra gentle bristles, the Bruce redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist, a fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code pod 15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. I mean, I talk about, we talk about like the dialogue and stuff like that, but this movie does also still have like good stunts and some good action Yep, for the, for the type of movie it is. That's why even with like jokes aside and people maybe not liking the jokes, the action is still good and it's really nonstop. What do you want? 60 guys in the lawn throwing cocaine at each other? Uh, oh, speaking of stunts, I like the stunt where he drives the car over the water when he's busting through. He's, they're trying to go to the hotel and he busts through the fence and skids over the water. And oh, yeah. The car up. I thought that one I'm like, wow, that's, that's a pretty good stunt. There's also I noticed that a lot of the times in the driving stunts, it's clearly an Arnold. Oh, of course. But in the scene where his Jeep falls into the foyer of the mansion mm-hmm. before Benedict leaves, that's him. And that's Arnold in the car. 
I was like, yeah. well, I'm surprised they let him drop 30 feet yeah. in a Jeep. Uh, the older Arnold gets the, you You can definitely tell it's not him doing any of this, especially at True Lies. That opening scene in True Lies when he's sliding down the hill, I'm like, that yeah. is not him at all. Well, at that point, he's also, you got to think he's also so bankable that the insurance on him oh. must be like unbelievable. Well, he got $15 million to do this movie, but he's also producer of the film. So he's also like, he's involved in the movie. Right. Yeah. I also really like that the police station is kind of like- is Sony's, uh, Sony's uh, lobby? Yeah. Is it Sony's lobby? I believe so, yeah. But I also like how it's almost like a peek behind the curtains where all the different movie characters come together. Right, It's like right. not necessarily just Jack Slater. It's a nexus for movie uh, I think it's just that nothing's real. Like, right. Yeah, yeah So no. like the, obviously there's the cartoon cat. Yeah. There's Humphrey Bogart uh, is in yeah, there. Yeah, the projection of Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, T-1000. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. And Danny's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but all the all the stuff where Danny's trying to prove to him, prove to Jack Slater that he's a movie character, are, I think are great moments. I actually like it when the Slater character starts to become self-aware. Mm-hmm. And when he leaves the real world and, he's, and, he, and he tells Schwarzenegger, he's like, yeah, I really don't like you. Like that kind of You've thing. You've given me nothing but pain. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, that stuff, you know, the fact that you don't think about it, like he loses his son, but like, and and I, I, I'm glad they kind of don't go too far with it. I wish they would. I, I'm back and forth on that. But I like the fact that they're self-aware of all that stuff. Like right. He, he becomes like- He's so, going to go back into that film and all I'm thinking like, okay, so like what happens next? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. But I love Danny talking about like the phone numbers. Five, five, five. What's your phone number? Five, five, five. And it's like, so there's only 9,999 accommodations. How many people are in Los Angeles? About 7 million. But there's such thing as area codes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, it's Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not that's not inaccurate. <laughs> I love that Stallone is Terminator too. It's like he's not supposed to be. It. There's no one else who could play that role. <laughs> he's the only guy for the job. Uh, that's funny because at that point they were still kind of like having their feud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like who's the better action star? Yeah. Well, what um is there anything that you maybe? weren't a big fan of in this movie because I don't want we don't obviously I got a couple I got a couple things that I, I'm curious about um, I, for instance when he delivers a line he puts a cigar in his mouth mm-hmm. and he starts talking I'm like what like you thought it was a good idea to start talking with a cigar in your mouth uh, classic Arnold man but like I couldn't understand what he was saying does it matter and then there was a scene when <laughs> uh, when they go to uh, his ex-wife's house right and they escape and he's got gotta catch the red eye and he jumps down and he does all those stuff yeah, flips and he comes down into the middle of the street to aim his gun at benedict in the car right it's such a weird shot yeah did you notice like he's i in did the, notice yeah that, he's yeah. like in the extreme left and you can barely see him it's really like out of focus yeah 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 no, I, I did notice that. I also thought the jumps down the building were a little too much, too. I, I didn't mind that. So I was like, because that's part of the. That wouldn't be in a movie like that. Though. Yeah, but that's. Oh, you mean just like the parkour type That's type a little stuff? too, like, ooh, I gotcha. okay. I gotcha. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. I, I can see that. Um, I also wasn't a big fan of the Leo the Fart stuff. <laughs> I mean, I like that. I like that whole scene. Right. But like the fart stuff is like, okay, fart You're, jokes. You don't like they activate the bomb by pulling his finger? No. <laughs> Although I do like the fart explosion in the Librea tar pit, though. Oh, yeah. And then it goes back down. <laughs> Silent but deadly. <laughs> God. <laughs> I really like when Danny writes down something on his notepad. Say this. Oh, I want to say that. Yeah. Say it. 
I, I, I don't want to. Because you can't. Because this movie's PG-13. And if you said it, it wouldn't be PG-13 anymore. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Sony mini disc cut? Did you see that? When Where he, is it? Oh, yeah. When that's when he's playing, playing his music. I'm like, in. oh, my God. What is that? So he finally listens to classical music when he actually gets in the real world. Yeah. He's listening to 80s metal. <laughs> And I like when Danny realizes he's the comedy sidekick. When he's trying he's on to the bike. play chicken. Uh, oh, oh, oh shit, I'm a comedy sidekick. It's not going to work. <laughs> and then he veers and he becomes the E.T. character in the moon. <laughs> right. That's right. He goes far. Yeah. How about they have it when they kill Skeezy in the explosion? Oh, Skeezy does probably die. R.I.P. <laughs> Skeezy. R.I.P. <laughs> I forgot how dark the movie was at the beginning, too. When the robber, like, like the robber, yeah, his, yeah. his time in school and like leaving back into the real world, kids, locked the door 30 seconds of break immediately as I leave. I'm like, wow, damn, I don't remember it being yeah, this dark in the beginning. They're so poor that the robbers don't even want to rob them. Yeah. That's, I was like, damn. Yeah, that's pretty sad. I was like, that's a, that's a really dark scene in this well, the, the, When he's in the theater, the theater is like, I'm surprised they don't show porn in that theater. It's like, it feels like. No, they don't let Danny in that room. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that that theater probably back in the day was a beautiful theater though. Oh yeah, no yeah. doubt, no yeah. doubt. But no, I, I I forgot how dark the movie is because I usually when I catch this movie when I used to catch this movie on TV when I had cable it would always be like the the middle of the movie like right around the fart uh, Leo the fart scenes mm-hmm. or right after Benedict goes into the real world. Mm-hmm. So I forgot how dark the beginning is with uh, Danny and his life beforehand. Well, even dark with the Ripper. <laughs> well, the Ripper scene. Uh, he is, comes into the when he when Tom Noonan, the character who's playing the Ripper, comes into the scene. His agent's like, "What are you doing, man? You just want to get these roles of this like, Oh my god! Just- you look at I have a tux guy. You look at I have a tuxedo. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that that was pretty funny. Where he's just walking and like, oh, the Ripper's here. <laughs> I think I'm gonna kill somebody. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I do like the beginning of the film when they're like, uh, when obviously the Ripper's on the top and he throws the guy off the roof, and uh, the police chief's yelling, and Slater comes walking on the top of the police cars <laughs> down with his cigarette. I'm like. This is McBain. This is exactly what you'd see in The Simpsons and in the McBain scenes. Absolutely. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Did you like at the end of the movie when he shoots Slater, when Benedict shoots Slater? Did you like him leaving the one chamber empty? When he's like, yeah, because he's clever. He's a smart bad guy. Right. He's not an idiot. That's the whole point is Benedict, even from the beginning, you know, there's something a little different about him. Like he knows he knows that he's going to trick him because they're in the real world and not the movie world. Right. And he's kind of, I think, even more than Slater, more attuned to that, more mm-hmm. attuned to movie cliches, mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. a villain and always succumbing to them. He's learned. He's he's very Sideshow Bob-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I did really like that. I like that he has that conversation with obviously the Ripper, but that he's getting Dracula. He's getting, yes. I, I like that whole monologue. He's, he's basically watching movies to see who he can bring in. Bring in yeah. yeah. So you got to figure like, it, it only seems like it's been a day, but you have to figure maybe it's been a few days that they've been well, I don't out think, in the real world. Yeah. I don't think he's getting people. I think he's just watching movies to see who he can, who he can right. get. Yeah. So the first person he gets is the Ripper. Right. But if you bring Dracula into this world, you're going to, now you're going to start the race of vampires. He's not gonna be able to survive that. <laughs> I just I love the dialogue in this film, and I don't want to go through like just saying every bit of dialogue. But one of my favorite ones is obviously any uh, whole dialogue scene when they first visit Benedict. Mm-hmm. Hello, it's a beautiful day, and we're out killing drug dealers. Are there any in the house? <laughs> and then they come back. Benedict comes back, um, and he talks about the dogs, and he gets the dogs through the pyramid. If I snap my fingers one more time, they'll eviscerate you, and you'll be find they'll be finding pieces of you in my dog's rectum. <laughs> and then uh, 
Arnold goes, I uh, got two questions. One, why am I wasting my time with uh, punks like you when I can do something much more dangerous, like rearrange my sock drawers? <laughs> and two, how exactly are you going to snap your fingers when I rip off both your thumbs? <laughs> I'm like, that's such a classic, like such an Arnold line. <laughs> and I love it. I'll be back. But you weren't expecting me to say that. <laughs> yeah, you say that all the time. Like totally makes fun of him about that line. And at the end, when he takes the guy out of the taxi cab, he goes, rubber baby, bunk, baby bunker babies. <laughs> Especially when expecting me to say that. <laughs> but he's just like completely lost it. Definitely ahead of its time. This movie was so, this movie failed so bad that John McTiernan had to take a break from his career. That's terrible. It's just My it's John. such a good movie. It is. It is. I know they wanted to make it rated R and Arnold kind of wanted it to say PG-13 for a wider yeah, audience. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with the PG-13 because... Uh, you got a kid as the secondary exactly, lead. Exactly, yeah. And you're trying to celebrate these movies. It, like, you know what I mean? So I don't think, I think the PG-13 was a good, good way to go. I don't, I, I honestly, I don't really fault anything in this movie in terms of why it's perform it affected its performance. I don't, this movie was, was trying to, it's funny because I talk about this all the time. When I did it last week. We talking about independent films. Right. You know, they take chances. This movie took a huge chance, huge chance, which a huge amount of money. And it's punished for it because it was ahead of its time. It is completely successful in what it's trying to do. The fact that audiences and critics and just people didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. Like this is one of those movies that maybe not now. I mean, we are, almost 30 years removed from this movie. Right. But I would really be interested if critics that panned this movie 30 years ago, if they rewatched this, knowing what they've known now, seeing the movies that they've seen now, and just would they be a little, would they soften to it a little bit more? Uh, I just, I'm curious. I'm I curious would say no, that. because they are now 30 years older and old and curmudgeon <laughs> and usually even pickier about their movies. Well, I've said this before. One of my favorite lines in Mad Men is from Bruce Greenwell when he's dating Joan. And one of the last seasons, and he says, I don't like uh, being, I don't, <laughs> so it's so my favorite lines, I keep forgetting. Yeah. I don't like being stubborn. It makes me feel old. I think that that's something that I will always remember as I get older. Cause I just, you just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Being stubborn in your ways and being stubborn in your thinking and being stubborn in like, just because you've known something for so long, it doesn't mean it's necessarily the, the only way to think of something. Right. So I would hope that we wouldn't have some stubborn curmudgeons, <laughs> like you say, but you know what? Who knows? I'd be interested to see more modern reviewers, like the people that are reviewing movies now, if they watch it, what I don't know because it? my, the, the thing with modern reviewers, and I'm not saying it's not all, but the thing with modern reviewers is that it's too much about the quote. Sometimes they're trying to get themselves on the poster. Right. Not all, but you know, and it's, and it's more, and again, it's, we're in an, we're in an age of views and clicks and attention and not, it's not about the actual, you know, like the actual breakdown of a movie. Like I can sit here and really talk about this movie. Like I really like this movie and I can really stand by this movie. You right. know what I mean? Like, I don't think I can, uh, I I'm perfectly okay being honest about films, but being honest in a, in a respectful and a constructive way. I don't think that, uh, I don't believe that a lot of critics are, 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 are constructive in their criticism. It's destructive. Okay. Do you not agree with that? I just don't see that. I think modern reviewers would like this film now. I think if they saw this film, they'd like it. I don't care what they say in the review. I think overall it would be a positive review. I don't know. I'm not having any critique on reviewers because I just don't give a shit what they think either way. Well, that's you though. But you, but, but, and I get that. That's me too. I I still want to watch a movie when people tell me it's crappy. If I'm interested in the movie, I want to see, even when people tell me like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll see it. But I know that like, obviously public opinion for this movie has changed because it's got 
but starting to finally get a cult following people like you said people you talk to like this film now right but they're probably the same people that didn't like it 30 years ago phonies but i wonder if you know reviewers also feel the same way Maybe not the original reviewers, but newer reviewers. I really like Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie playing Schwarzenegger. Sure. I like that. Hey, I like that Jack Snyder can't, can't say it. Those wife yells at him. <laughs> My name is Hoggles called Fugger Foggles when he introduces oh, himself. Oh, Fogger. Yeah. yeah. But I also like... Um, don't hype the uh, don't hype Hollywood. Nobody cares about Planet Hollywood. Exactly. When, when his wife, Maria Shiver, is like, just don't. I hate it. It's so phony. It's so gross. Don't do it. Yeah. He goes, all right. But don't talk to them. They're the National Enquirer. Don't talk to those guys. <laughs> You know, speaking about great, you know, Planet Hollywood restaurant has great merchandise and all this food. It's all very good. It's all great. And she like drags him away. His wife drags him away. What? I thought that was the perfect opportunity. I hate when you do that. <laughs> I wonder if she really hates that. Well, they're not together anymore, unfortunately. All right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> I could go quotes all day. Well, I mean, you haven't said any quotes, so why don't you go? Well, I said the thumb quote. Okay. Uh, I like, <laughs> I like in the mafia wedding for, uh, Leo the fart when Arnold takes him, what's going This man's not dead. <laughs> Is there a doctor? I'm a doctor. You're, you're a doctor. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> He's like, yeah, I said, someone help this man. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the, when the animated cat, I can prove this is a movie. An animated cat just walked through the door. What? That's ridiculous. He's supposed to be on leave. He's not supposed to be back till next week. <laughs> he just got in. And he'll get, and he'll do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's, it's so many uh, great lines. If you harm one hair on her head, oh, and then Benedict goes yeah. over and takes the hair and like breaks, <laughs> breaks it apart. You're going you're gonna to live for a long time. Acne, shaving, premature ejaculation, your first divorce. <laughs> and then when he's uh, beating up one of the guys, and goes, this is for blowing up my house. Or no, this is for blowing up my ex-wife's house. And he slaps his hand. <laughs> and he goes, and this is for my daughter's black eye. And he throws him across the room. Uh, the, the explosion of the ex-wife's house is actually uh, the same explosion they used in the last Boy Scout. They just reused it. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> I don't I, it's just like oof really oh well, I guess I guess so I if think it's the it. one where it's from far away I think that's the same explosion they used eh, you know what are you gonna do well that's a uh, you know just reuse stuff I guess nothing <laughs> 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 I was just gonna so I mean I think this whole episode has been a case for why it's forgotten. So I don't really think it's fair for me to ask you, Hey, why do you think it was forgotten? Because we've talked about the very, that's things. been the whole episode. Yeah. The yeah. whole episode is just, this, this is probably one of the episodes where we're not just talking about the movie itself. We're making a 45 minute to an hour case. <laughs> a on case why of why it's forgotten. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, I know it's out on Blu-ray, so I know it already came out. I know that's how you watched it because mm -hmm. you own it. I'm wondering if this would get a re-release, like a 30-year re-release in a couple of years. I would be surprised if it didn't. Uh, it does have that cult following now that seems to really push itself toward those like one-day shows, those Fathom events. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, are people willing to go back and talk about it? I think so. I, I, when I, as I'm watching it, I'm wondering like, I'm wondering if this would work as like a, a, a show. Or oh, another movie. No, like I, no. I, I would see, I love to see more of this. We're uh, living in a movie kind who, of thing. But here's the thing. It, it, if it's not Schwarzenegger, then I, I don't know if it'd be as interesting. I don't, because think yeah, of action you, movies you, now. 
<clears throat> who you put like I know you like Deadpool and I like Deadpool too, right? But the Ryan Reynolds shtick wears really thin on. Oh me. no, it couldn't be a Ryan Reynolds type. It would have to be you know, if you did a movie, you'd have to get The Rock. Yeah, but, but if he's you, not in action movies like that, you know, right? Oh, you'd have to change it up. It would have yeah. to be movies now or movies, even like a combination of movies throughout the year. You'd live in that movie universe. But I think you're going to get that with Free Guy, too, in terms of video games. You're going to get that style. It's like a weird. That's like a weird thing, though. But that's more about video. Games yeah, that's video it game. About, it is about film. Yeah. But that, but video games, let's put it on. Honestly, video games is where a lot of people are spending their time. So oh, I get I mean, that. I mean, I, I do a podcast on video. I, uh, I'm not the writing video games. But I, I, I want to tell you about it is very <laughs> it is very different from film and film homages you know to I got do a you. video game thing because you. you're going to talk more about the gameplay and how games work right and the, the the mechanics of a game are going to be where the jokes lie sure. as opposed to a movie where it's the story plot points and character is where you're going to really derive most of your your jokes and your comedy i got you i got you all right so i mean i, I don't if you got anything i mean i basically people should rewatch this movie and absolutely i'm curious and I, I mean, I, we always talk about, hey, give us some feedback. We never get it. But I'm curious if somebody out there doesn't like this film, because I'm curious why they don't like it. Because like I said, I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie when I when I meet them or when I talk to them. And granted, these are people that like movies and I've talked to about movies. <laughs> and we have similar things, but correct. I don't know anybody that thinks this movie is not good. You know what I mean? So I, I maybe I just block those people out. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious if, if people go back and revisit this movie would you know what their reaction would be to it but because right. i think this this film still works it, it it's just fun it's uh it's not i mean if you're looking for good action that's not what this movie's about it's got it but that's not what this movie's about it's got good i think it still has good action even though it's ridiculous and over the top it's right. still cool and fun sure you know shocking the guy with your lamp wire to get him to shoot the other no, guy I across know, the room but it's ridiculous action it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. action but it's still fun action right, right, right which is what you're looking for in your 90s shooters i guess and i mean elise had never seen the film watched the last half of it and and loved it cool so i mean i mean she's not even a huge huge action film kind of person so right right i mean All that right. shows that i think modern audiences would like the movie awesome awesome where can they find us they can find us at forgotten cinema podcast <laughs> or Entertainment.com, as we are part of the Forgotten. Do you want me to give you a better lead in? No, that's fine. Right. You're here. All right, shut up, Butler. Lead in is fine. Well, that's fine. I don't know. No, it's too late. I don't know. I'm done talking about the moment. You can also find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema, depending on where you go and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Forgotten Summer rolls along. This is actually probably a, the perfect summer film that just didn't do well because of Jurassic Park. Shame on you, Jurassic Park. Um, we're done talking about the last section here. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to 2013, only uh, eight years ago. Oh, boy. Wow, that's a while ago. We're doing uh, Begin Again. We've already, You know what's funny is we, we are basically running the gamut. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. We did Sing Street, and then this is the same guy I did Begin Again. We have not done once, but once is on the list. Yes. I'm pretty sure we're going to get through all these movies, which is sad. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a movie starring Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. Uh, it's basically a lot of music. I hope you like it. Adam Levine's in it, too, if you're interested. I like Once, and I liked Sing Street, so I'll probably yeah, like this. Yeah, I, I think you'll like this. It's uh, it's good. I, 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 hope, I hope you like it. But if you don't, <laughs> oh, well. So that's it. We're going to begin again next week. Um, you know, stick around uh, this week. <laughs> stick around. Stick around, <laughs> because uh, we're going to have another uh, companion episode or a bonus episode. We're going to talk about John McTiernan films just to kind of like go over uh, his career a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's coming out this f coming Friday. But you know what? Who cares? Because if you're listening to this in uh, 20, 2028, you don't know that. So yeah. <laughs>
So I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema, Forgotten Summer. What is that? That's snake? sizzling because it's the sun. Yeah. Okay. Eh. That's trying something. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. Yeah.